Will the real Jesus please come forth? Sometimes you feel like calling that out, don't you? Somewhere through history, we have made Jesus so many things that we want a Luke to step forward and explain to us a Jesus who is divinely real and not wrapped in religiosity or human traditions. Not the Jesus of a tradition we have now, but the Jesus who cared for the ailing, who shared meals and events with real people, the Jesus who respected others, even if they didn't believe in him, the one who called us in grace to act spiritually responsible and live in unity. The church and the world is waiting for us to witness the coming of that Jesus. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. We're back with a new study, and it's a study on the book of Luke. I've got two new hosts and one not so new. Let's go with that. If you could introduce yourselves, and we'll have um, them know a little bit about you. I'm Michael Martell. I'm a father of two, and uh, I'm enjoying the work that I do here at the General Conference. Oh, cool. And the not so new? Uh, I'm Kathy Britton, and I was born in Colombia. And that's a good thing. That is an amazing thing. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure if Columbia agrees, but okay. And the next one. Uh, Phil Riley, and I am a proud native Texan, but I've lived most of my life here in Maryland. Not so proud? Uh, not as proud as being Texan. Okay. But it's, it's a great place to live. <laughs> I see you drive home today. Um, Phil, Phil is our producer, by the way, and he's going to help us out this quarter. If you could read scripture and pray for us, please. Sure. Uh, our verse is found in Luke 1 verse 37, and it's, for with God nothing will be impossible. And I'll pray in my native language. Heavenly Father, thank you for having us here, and thank you for this opportunity to be part of this ministry. We pray that you'll bless our conversation, and also bless all those that are hearing and seeing this. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Amazing. I can understand that one. <laughs> the gift of tongues. <laughs> I, I wish I knew more languages. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. All right, so the book of Luke. What do you know about the, uh, the author of, of Luke? Well, wasn't he a physician? He was a doctor. And you still like him. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that's a very important point um, because, well, first off, I, I've worked with several doctors, and I think doctors are very respected um, here in the United States. But in Luke's time, as I understand it, doctors weren't respected. They were kind of the, the lower class because they dealt with unclean people, bodies, um, all kinds of things, and illness. And so I think that's a key point because I feel like Luke would have been ostracized because he dealt with, you know, all these bodily fluids and illnesses and things like that. He was ostracized till they needed him. And then they're like, oh, you're our favorite person. Come, come, we'll feed you. But what else, I mean, what else do we know about the person that he was? You know, you, you know about each of the disciples, not all of them, but this, the, I don't know, the favorite ones, but the major ones. I would say it also seems like he has a, a ministry or an, an intention for Gentiles, where there are a lot of people that the focus was on the Jewish society. But it seems like he really enjoyed and focused and, and kind of felt the ministry for reaching out to the Gentiles, which I think were, again, kind of ostracized like him, kind of looked down upon. It's, it's almost like there Fight was... for the underdog. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, you know, at the, at the time of writing all of this, everybody thought, we're so special because God chose us, and everybody else is on their own. And so they were writing for the Jewish population or those who grew up, who were the 
direct descendants of Abraham. And all of a sudden you have Luke that comes over here and says, hey, look, that's not what Jesus says. It's for everybody, not just for a select few. It's just, you know, the gates are open. This is, let's get the word out. Um, what, in studying the more than one chapter of Luke, uh, what do you see about his style that makes him different or unique? His knowledge on the Old Testament was, I feel like, extraordinary. So, like, he's very, like, he goes back to it a lot and focuses on a lot, so. Which is interesting because you see a lot of people, a lot of Christians right now, they go, you know, the Old Testament was done with. we got to spend time only on, the, you know, everything post-Christ. But you have writers, I think even Matthew goes back, they, they're, they're big on the genealogy to say, hey, look, there is a foundation to where we are today. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't mean we have to go back, but there is a foundation to who we are, what we believe. Um, I also feel like Luke was connected. How? To, to society. He seemed to know what was going on with the people outside of just that, the Jewish faith, kind of like we've been saying. He, he knew uh, the situations that were going on there, and that's perhaps probably from his interactions as being a physician, kind of being in the population, knowing probably a, a little better than maybe some of the others how to connect with them. I feel like if Luke was in today's society, he would be on top of all the political scene, knowing kind of who is in office, who is, who is doing different things. He doesn't bring up contemporary pop music, but he does bring up sort of who was in office at the time that all these things happened. And I feel like he would be someone that had his finger on the pulse of what was going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily part of the world, but he knew what was going on. and. I feel like that's another thing that he brings into his his writings. He I, mentions the times. I love the fact that he tells you, you know, he goes and says, okay, here's who was ruling, and then here's what was happening. And this was the historical information that was happening. So you could attach. Like sets the scene for Right. It. Yeah. And it's not like it. the yeah. Bible stories are separate from what was happening around. It was part of the culture. This is the cultural influence, a political structure that happened at the time. Um, I remember reading in, in uh, an introduction to the book of Ezra that said Ezra was written in the time of uh, there's Buddha in India, Confucius in China, and uh, is it Aristotle or Plato in, in Greece? And I'm reading that and I'm like, wait a second, nobody taught me that there was these people lived at the same time of Bible people. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, this is great. I mean, that was when I was a teenager when I came across that information. But I, I like the way Luke goes and says, this is who's, who's ruling. This is what was happening. This was, and he does that throughout the first early parts of the chapter. Then when he comes later on, he does the same thing. He gives you a, a contemporary connection to say the church was not separated from the world around them. Mm -hmm. There was that connection. Now, in, in the first parts of Luke's, you hear about the, the angel coming to, uh, the, uh, to the, uh, the priest Zacharias and says, okay, look, you're going to be blessed. Your family's going to be blessed. We know you're old, but this can happen with God. You're going to have a child. And Zacharias doesn't believe it. And so the angel rebukes him. Um, how does that work in, in Christian life? You know, he rebukes him, and rather than leaves him, the promise still happens. Well, look at our lives sometimes. We, you know, God promises us that he's going to bless us and that things are going to happen. And, I mean, we, we have that promise that ultimately we should have that faith, yet we still doubt him. And even after doubting him, God still follows through. So. Yeah, I feel like what, what God has set in motion as a plan for you in your life, it, it's not contingent on whether or not you choose to accept it at that moment. 
um, it's it's almost like one of those things where you know it takes you a while to catch up so that you can see what's happening around you. I think that's kind of like what's happening here for Zacharias. He he didn't believe it. He got rebuked for it, but it didn't mean that he would not be able to still see that fulfillment come through throughout Wait, his life. Wait, so whether whether you have faith or not, whatever God promises still happens? Is that what you're saying? I think I think whether you have faith or not isn't the determining factor for what will happen in your life. I think faith is is something that we need to help us make it through what's supposed to happen in our life. So we predestination? I wouldn't I wouldn't call it predestination. I think f faith <laughs> is a tool that we utilize to help us move through our life. Okay. And and what we choose to believe in is what we connect our faith to. So if you are if you're not understanding something and you're rebuked for it, you may have shown a lack of a lack of faith for it, but it doesn't mean that that's not still going to happen in your life or or what God had planned for you cannot still occur. I like I mean when I look at the story, I'm not sure if it was so much of a lack of faith in Zacharias, but they're like, are you kidding me? Do you know how old I am? I mean, I believe in you, but this isn't supposed to happen to me kind of deal, you know? And it's I, not that it's yeah. not so much that he didn't believe it could happen. It's yeah, just, that's the way I see it. It's just the the shock of it. And so the, so the angel goes, okay, fine. You're not going to speak because we know you're a priest and a preacher, so mm -hmm. you probably like to speak, so you're not going to speak. Mm -hmm. But watch it all happen. Right. See, I think this is an interesting story because I believe it's the angel that says, you know, your, your prayers have been answered. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a son. And Zacharias is like, wait, how's that even possible? Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that when you can't speak, um, I can't say that I know this on, uh, from personal experience, but when you can't speak, you do a lot of listening. Mm -hmm. And I feel like here is this time where the angel came, said something to Zacharias, and he's, he said, you know, I don't, I don't even know how that can work. And it's kind of like, you know what, you didn't, it didn't register the first time, so you're going to do a lot more listening now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of one reason why it happened. But at the same time, I think it's interesting because he kind of had faith, but he didn't quite have faith. I don't think or he had faith. In, I don't think he had faith in that moment. Faith in that moment would have accepted. I feel like would have accepted what he heard and moved forward with it. I think sometimes your faith is incremental, and and it's exactly what you described. Him not being able to talk means he had to do a lot more listening, yeah. and paying attention to what was happening around him. And I think that can help build your faith, and seeing what can come through to fruition. I think it's, it, this particular story is so. Um, it's, it's, it's a great example of our lives today. It's like, we can pray for all these things, and when they really happen, like, nah, it can't be. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had, I've been praying for direction in my life and trying to figure out what happened, so I get this weird call out of the blue, and somebody I hadn't talked, somebody I don't even know, calls me up and says, she said she had a stroke, she couldn't speak, but she's on this phone call talking to me, and she's surprised, and then she tells me that God has me there for a purpose, and I put the phone down, and I'm like, I mean, I'm crying. I got tears coming down my eyes. I'm like, not that my tears could come from anywhere else, but tears coming down from my eyes. And I'm, I'm going, well, this is really weird. So I call my wife up. I'm like, this happened. I said, this is really weird. She goes, why do you think it's weird if this is what you've been praying for? I'm like, yeah, but these are the stories I read about. They're not supposed to happen to me. And my, so my wife's been working. I'm like, where's your faith? I'm like, I have faith. It's just hard to believe. But, but, well, but through that interaction with your wife, she's calling you out of your consciousness yeah. to, so that you are paying attention to what is being presented toward you. Because sometimes in and of ourselves, in that moment, we lose all reason because we're like, that's not supposed to happen or 
that's not really possible or that can't be possible, when really if we stop for a moment and think about what we've believed, who we believe in, we find out that it is. And sometimes faith is instantly restored from just that interaction. And I think it's interesting with Zacharias because I assume as a priest, he knew the Old Testament. And that same thing happened with Abraham and Sarah. Absolutely. And I feel like it's kind yes. of like with your wife who said, wait a second, like you've prayed about this and your response, you know, that's, that happens to other people, but where not to your me. Faith? Yeah. And I feel like that would have been the case with Zacharias, whereas, you know, that happened to Abraham and Sarah, that doesn't happen to me. Right. Well, I think sometimes as humans, we just get caught up on like saying that we have faith. Saying right. we have faith, we have faith, we have faith, we have faith. Do but we then really? When it comes, do we really? Like, yeah. do we really believe that what happened to, you know, Abraham and Sarah happened to us? And I think that's where he was. And I think that that's why it's awesome that he shut him up. Mm -hmm. He was like, you know what? You're doing too much talking mm -hmm. and your faith is not showing. So I'm going to shut you up for a little bit so that it can, you know, so you Manifest. can see, look, look at me. I'm, I'm showing off. Yeah. So, I mean, if you don't know what he would have been talking about. Like, yeah, I got the message. I was the first one to know. Nothing happened until he said, what's the name of the child? And then he goes, you know, well, the child's supposed to be called John. I'm like, where'd you get that voice? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you a story on how this happened. For, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Now, the, the, the next person that the angel talks to is, is Mary. Um, and her reaction to the whole thing is completely different. It's not like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. What are you, nuts? She, I mean, she's... The moment, the moment the angel comes, she's part of this. But what do you have? I mean, how does this, this virgin birth become a fulfillment of prophecy? Well. What prophecy? And, and were people aware of it? That the virgin was going to give birth to us. I think Isaiah 714, actually. Interesting. Isaiah 714? Yes. Would you like me to read it? Yes, please. Um, it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So it was prophetic. Everybody knew about it. Yes. Why did Joseph have such a problem believing? Well, can you just imagine for Mary at that time? you know, being with child and, and then claiming this prophecy as the reason why. <laughs> He's just like, oh, uh, the prophecy. Remember that one? And everyone's just like, oh. Yeah, it's been used quite a bit. But. Yeah, so I, I, I would say for Joseph, that had to have been kind of like, you know, the, the question of the day, you know? And, and so faith, I think, plays a major role in it. But it's also thinking about you know, the reality of how that actually happens. And then, you know, you don't know what the, the situation was for them at that time. So for Mary hearing this and, and seeing how this could be a fulfillment of prophecy, you know, I don't know how they would have checked for these sorts of things back then. But I feel like, I feel like this is one of those situations where you have to ask a few more questions. But I, I, lo I love the part of the story where the, you know, we, she, the, asking a few of the questions. You have Mary, who's just been told by the angel. Mm -hmm. You've got Joseph going, what in the world? And everybody else going, she's beginning to show. She's not mm -hmm. quite married. What's happening here? You know, the prophecy. the prophecy. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> and then she, so, you know, all that does play a role on this yeah. young person who just finds mm -hmm. herself pregnant. She goes to meet her cousin. And the cousin immediately, even before she comes, recognizes who Mary's, who the child's going to be. Mm -hmm. And the unborn child, I mean, John, the unborn child at that point, kicks. Yeah, as soon as that's he, my favorite part. 
This is fantastic. <laughs> it says the baby leaped in her womb. <laughs> That's awesome. That my cousin. I'm going to be talking <laughs> about him part. later. You all listen because he's coming down. We're, this is a great show. Come to Jordan. We'll see you in a couple he's years. He's already announcing Jesus <laughs> yeah. coming in the buddy. <laughs> I love the way it's, it's written. And Luke does such a great job of, of, of building that narrative. Mm -hmm. Now, what is so important about the virgin birth? To me, that that just shows that there's this is something special. And, and not only is it special, but there's a miracle involved in the birth, but then also it kind of sets the stage for, you know, who God, who Jesus is and, and what's going to happen. I also think, and maybe this is the scientific terms, but, you know, women have two chromosomes, X and X, and the men are the ones that give the X and, or the Y. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like Mary can only give the X chromosome, so the Y has to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And if Jesus is going to be you know, all God, it's got to come from God. Does that make sense? To me, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm just going with a why. <laughs> um, I think what's awesome about this too, I mean, aside from that, is the fact that it takes so much like, I like she goes aside from that because she's not touching the science part. Pushing that from what you side. said about X's and Y's. I, I know what X is. I know what a Y is. I'm not sure. Whatever he said. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just takes so much faith because if we look at it now, if somebody were to claim that today, there would be so many scientific tests that would have to be done. Hey, DNA, where is this coming from? You know, what what's happening? Matching. And here we have so much. We like in this story, they don't they don't have that. So we have so much room for more faith. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? It does. Like yeah. so much more space for us to actually just fully believe that this happened rather than, nope, we needed to get this tested. But see, what, ha what, what happens with this whole concept of the virgin birth, even back then, I'm, I'm sure it was questioned. Mm -hmm. But right now, in America right now, and probably on the, on the internet, wherever else it, it goes, there's a show called uh, The Virgin Jane, which none of us know about because we don't watch TV. Um, it's about this this well, this, really kid, this, this kid who, who, who's, who's scared who's scared into remaining a virgin uh, by her a very devout Christian mother, and but she gets accidentally inseminated when she goes in for a, a, a checkup. So she's still a virgin, but she gets accidentally inseminated um, artificially insem inseminated. And so she now she's pregnant, but she's still a virgin. Mm -hmm. Not a show you want to watch, but you know, I, I, I watched the first one, the pilot, and I'm going, this is how they do it. They bring in a concept, and I say this as in they, as in who, not, not I'm not picking out a group, but this is how the, the whole world. concept mm -hmm. of you devalue a, uh, something that is special. Mm -hmm. The virgin birth's been special for Christians all, all through the existence of Christianity, I mean, from the, the announcement. But now when you make it possible and go like, in a couple of generations, they go, yeah, nothing special. It can happen. This is scientifically how it was done. They explain and I'm sure, it away. Yeah, they explain it away. And so it, 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 it isn't special. But to, for it to be special, you've got to look back in prophecy and say, there's a reason this is how it's going to happen. It's going to happen at a certain time. And these are the, 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 the elements of that particular prophecy. Uh, so if people yeah. come and explain it away, there is still the prophecy in Scripture. And I think what's important in Scripture is you can't prove it. Mm -hmm. It is something you believe in. It's faith. It's like you can't prove the love of the person you're married to, but you believe it's there. Yeah. Right? right? I think that's what makes it so special. I mean, as humans, I think we want to have an explanation of what's going on. We want to know 
we want to have like a scientific XXYY uh, <laughs> um, explanation. I'm, I'm sorry for honoring that up. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you're going XXYY. I'm like, yeah, yeah the male is the Y. Y male, but yes. But we want to like have an actual explanation of why things are going on. But really, it just, we have to believe how special it is. And it, it's literally just faith that we have to have in, in, in these stories. And so, you know, the, the way I look at it kind of is like this. There are so many things you can believe in, okay? And there are more far-fetched things than the concept of a virgin birth. Not many more far-fetched things, <laughs> but there are more far-fetched yeah. things. And I feel like um, your faith in, in a deity who was so concerned with, with saving the human race that he would give of his child, uh, of his son, of who he is, as a gift to us and, and live the life that we are supposed to live, I think if you're going to follow a far-fetched story, let's make the narrative make sense. And, and, and so for me, the, why, why is the belief in the virgin birth so important? I think it's important to me because if I believe in a God who was, who was going to give his son in, in a way that manifests to humankind so that I can understand this life I'm supposed mm -hmm. to be walking through, then that needed to happen some way, shape, or form. And if this is the way it happened, the belief in this process is important to the, the foundation of my belief system. And so. And the, the whole idea, I'm, I'm sure God, being as knowledgeable in everything that he is, knew if people would consider it being a far-fetched story. Mm -hmm. So throughout, throughout, uh, throughout scripture, there are indications that there is a prophecy. It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And when people were speaking this, I mean, these prophets were going, okay, I'm saying these words. I have no idea what you mean, but I will say it and I will preach it because it's going to happen. And couldn't, have, couldn't anyone have claimed to have been impregnated by an angel at some point previously? We don't find many documents. They probably, they're that. probably, they probably <laughs> happened, but just the fact that you have the virgin birth and then later on you have when Jesus comes down and when he gets to Jordan, you know, God comes and says, this is my son. They have these things, that, these indications. Not till all these indications happen, they go back and like, oh, here's the whole picture. Right, his That's entire existence mean. has been qualified throughout his lifetime. No, so it isn't just the virgin birth that made him Jesus. It's the, it's the, the whole The story. whole narrative. Yeah. And sometimes we get stuck on that one thing right. that we forget that you if have If that's to all there was, we'd have a problem. Right, right, right. Now, the other thing was when they take him to the, they take him to the, the temple and Simeon there has a prophecy in Luke, was it Luke 2, 25? Yeah. Uh, what do you learn from that? Well, he, he basically says the prayer. He says, you can, take, you can take your servant now. I've seen, I've seen the prophecy fulfilled. This child is, is here. And this is what we're just talking about. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's not just the virgin birth theory. Couldn't it have been any child that, that could have you know, triggered this? Why this particular story? Why this particular individual? And then there was the other, there was Anna that came, not your Anna, but there was the Anna that, that was the, the prophetess Anna that comes over and again recognizes who this child is. I mean, just imagine, they, I mean, it's not like Joseph and Mary goes, by the way, virgin birth here, um, can I get in for the front row? They take the child in for what they're supposed to do mm -hmm. and immediately you've got the priest and a prophetess that recognizes mm -hmm. this. And I love, because that, to me, that shows me the importance of having a relationship with God mm -hmm. and just continuing that walk with God because they, it seems like the little that we know from them, they were just so connected. Mm -hmm. I mean, with Simeon, like to, to get that, that message that he's not going to die before seeing the Savior. Mm 
-hmm. To me, that that tells me that Simeon's very special. And like, he was so excited about seeing the Savior that that God was gonna allow him to. Yeah, so peaceful at the end. And when he came, I feel like there was just a little bit of whisper in his ear that like, that's it right there. And to me, that just shows that he had that connection. He had that, that God connection that we should all be having. Yeah, and Anna too. I mean, she was, it, I mean, it, it points to the fact that she was there day and night fasting and praying. So again, like with the connection that you're talking about, that's awesome. The fact that she also knew as soon as Jesus walked in that door. Would we know if, you know, Jesus walked in the door? I don't know. We might have to be like, you cannot speak for six months till you recognize <laughs> this. Probably but, you for know, me, yes. Probably for you, yes. <laughs> we, we all agree it's, it's, it's unanimous. Yeah, the idea, the, I, I like the idea, the, the, just this, this narrative where it says, they take him in, everybody recognizes him, and the guy says, you know, this is it. Whoops, this is it. They, uh, you know, you know that this is the, the one I've been waiting for. And Anna goes, wait, wait, what? You know, it's, it's, in the Grace Lake videos, my, when the animator was doing these shows, it was great because you got Anna walking by and she sees the baby and it's like, this is the Christ. I don't know how many of us would recognize the truth because like the introduction, I said, well, will real Jesus stand up? Over the, between, between the, the Testaments, there was such a big period that everybody else was coming up with stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right now we got people that make Jesus all these things that's really hard to see who the real Jesus is until you go back to Scripture and go, wow. I had a lady call me up and she was so upset because, you know, we've, we, uh, the drawings for children are not the idea of Jesus. They go, all the drawings are, look like cartoons. You, they don't look like the real Jesus. So you have fiction. I'm like, which drawing or photograph of Jesus is the real Jesus? Exactly. Everything that we have is fictional in terms of the pictures of Jesus. Um, and I think in some ways of telling of Jesus, it's the same. Until you go through scripture, unless like, until you're like Simeon or like uh, Anna or like the unborn John and you recognize it just by God telling you, I don't know which Jesus we follow. And I like that we don't have a photograph of Jesus because what we do is we look at Jesus by what he does. Mm-hmm. And we look at what other people have said about him. And that's one thing I love about Simeon's prophecy where he says that he's going to be for all people. He's going to be for Gentiles. He's going to reach out. And to me, that's really powerful because that just means that it's not, you know, certain people that do certain things certain ways or, you know, people that are spiritually minded or anything like that. Like God is a a savior for everybody. We all need him. And it doesn't mean certain people need the savior and get to have it. Anyone that wants it and wants to follow him gets to have the savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, what, you, what you mentioned about, the, um, it's ch- chapter 2, verse 32, a light of re- for revelation of the Gentiles, to have a priest in the middle of the temple that says, look, it's going out of this temple. We've held it so long, we haven't reached everybody, but this child is going to take it to everybody so everybody understands what we've restricted in some ways. And I think that's a call for the church today is, you know, we've got to do get away with our biases and prejudices and reach out to a world that we think we're better than because honestly we're not that much better um, coming back to the way Luke introduces the the book uh, I think if you haven't looked at it again you will look at the historical value of, of mentioning it because nobody does it like this this author one thing that you pick up from this study so far that stands out one thing that stands out for me is just simply the the acceptance of, of what this narrative lays out for us, accepting it. 
to me, that makes me want to study more. It makes me want to understand more. And as I do that, I feel like things are consistently linking together that make this, this understanding, this perception more real for myself. How about you? The power of Jesus' presence uh, when John leaps. I, I knew you were going to go with John. And <laughs> Phil, so I just love that he, he understood society at the times. And he may not have been in the world or of the world, but he was in it. Great. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Falvo Fowler, and we'll see you for the rest of the study on the book of Luke.